At the time the Trojan War began, Agamemnon was the strongest ruler of the Greeks, known far and wide as the king of the mighty capital of Mycenae. Agamemnon was the father of one son, Orestes, and three daughters, Chrysothemis, Electra, and the eldest, Iphigenia. Clytemnestra was his queen, the daughter of Zeus and Leda, and his brother was Menelaus, who ruled over the land of Sparta. War came upon these early kingdoms of Greece when Menelaus's wife, the beautiful Helen, sister of Clytemnestra, had been abducted by a prince of the city of Troy named Paris. Enraged with wounded pride and jealousy, Menelaus persuaded his brother Agamemnon to gather all the Greek armies and declare war upon the Trojans to punish them for their crime and finally to win Helen back. A tale of divine retribution and a terrible choice would unfold in these early months of the war against Troy, staged by the Greek playwright Euripides in his tragic masterpiece, Iphigenia in Aulis. The most extreme of dilemmas ensues in Euripides's play, a struggle between Agamemnon the ruler and Agamemnon the loving father, between the needs of the many and the life of one. Yet a decision must be made, with the life of the princess Iphigenia hanging in the balance, a choice burdened with responsibility and destined to shake the Greek world. The story begins when the Greek fleet has assembled in Aulis, on the eastern coast of the Greek mainland, to prepare for the war on Troy. One fateful day, Agamemnon goes hunting in the forest and slays a deer, an animal sacred, as it soon proves, to the goddess Artemis. Over the following days, mysteriously, the winds die down, leaving the warships with no power to fill their sails and putting a stop to the expedition to Troy. The holy seer Calchas, performing his rituals and probing the ways of the gods, discovers the truth behind this misfortune, and he informs Agamemnon the king that Artemis wishes to punish the Greeks for the death of her sacred deer. And then comes the most dreadful news of all. In order to satisfy the goddess and finally set sail, Agamemnon must make a sacrifice. A sacrifice of none other than his precious daughter, Iphigenia. Of course, at first, the father's heart furiously rejects such a monstrous act. To deprive his daughter's eyes of sweet sunlight and rob her mother of her beloved child. But soon, his mind begins to turn. His brother Menelaus, driven beyond all else to regain the woman who was stolen from him, presses for the fleet to sail on at any price. Agamemnon, the king and commander, keeps thinking of his troops 
who have gathered at the seashore, waiting impatiently for the glorious expedition to begin. He holds back the knowledge imparted by the prophet Calchas that the sacrifice demanded is to be his own daughter, to protect her in case others were to take matters into their own hands. But he realizes that, if the winds don't blow soon, or if the truth is somehow revealed, he would face more than disgrace, but the fury of the entire Greek world, whose armies were craving war. And so doom himself and his family. Broken by the weight of his choice, Agamemnon yields to fate and submits to the demands of the implacable goddess. Iphigenia must die. He is determined to bring his daughter to the sacrificial altar in Aulis at any cost, and resorts to trickery, promising in sweet lies that she is to be married to the glorious hero Achilles, and writing a letter to his wife, Clytemnestra, for her to prepare the girl and bring her to the army's camp. In private, to his personal attendant, the sorrowing father confesses his regrets, that his heart is melting with pain. But then, again changing his mind in turmoil, he entrusts his loyal servant to take a second letter to Iphigenia, now trying to cancel the sham wedding, keep Iphigenia at home, and spare his child's life. The attendant leaves, and Agamemnon declares in deep sadness an evil truth. No mortal enjoys success or happiness to the end, none of us born to a life without pain. Agamemnon's hope to undo the sacrifice is quickly snuffed out, when Menelaus meets the attendant carrying his brother's letter, and he demands to see what's written inside. His rage swells, and Agamemnon's change of heart is exposed. But then his brother enters the scene, and an argument between the two sibling kings takes place. Agamemnon accuses Menelaus of lacking sympathy and support for his own flesh and blood. Menelaus, in turn, accuses the other of utter betrayal of the whole Greek army, of rejecting his duty as a ruler to put public affairs above personal interests. After a long and heated fight, the tears of despair on his brother's face move the heart of Menelaus. And yet, Agamemnon's mind is also changed once again, and he determines with new resolve to see through his daughter's sacrifice. There is no more escape. The will of the gods and of the Greeks must be fulfilled. In time, Agamemnon's family arrives in Aulis. His wife, Clytemnestra, and two of their children, Iphigenia, and their baby son, Orestes. Ecstatic for her promised marriage to the dashing Achilles, Iphigenia rushes headlong into her father's arms, 
confessing her love and devotion to him. And Agamemnon, knowing what's really to come, sobs as he holds his child in his arms, but passes it off as joy at seeing her again, that his daughter is becoming a bride. The king tries to spare Clytemnestra the horror by persuading her to go home to their palace and take care of their other children, but she insists on staying at her husband's side. The plot thickens, and Agamemnon's plan starts to unravel when Clytemnestra greets Achilles in the camp, eager to talk with the greatest warrior of the Greeks as her future son-in-law. But when she mentions the wedding, a confused Achilles seems to be completely unaware of it at all. And from their confusion, the realization dawns that both of them have been cheated. At that moment, Agamemnon's old attendant comes in to join them, no longer able to hide the awful truth in the presence of Iphigenia's mother. After all is revealed, Clytemnestra bursts into tears and turns in desperation to Achilles, himself seething at being used as a tool in Agamemnon's game. My heart is crushed, and my eyes can't stop their tears anymore, the queen groans. Help me, Achilles, son of a goddess. Help me and my daughter who was called your bride, even in lies. It was for you that I put a wreath on her head and led her as if to her marriage. But now I see I'm leading her to slaughter. The noble Achilles pledges his support to the devastated mother in defense of her daughter and his would-be bride. Clytemnestra then goes to the one person at the center of the plot who has yet to learn the truth, Iphigenia herself. The mother reveals the bitter truth about the sham wedding and the real reason for their coming to the camp, and she leaves her daughter shattered. Clytemnestra leaves her tent only to find Agamemnon, and the stage is set for a war of words. With her heart torn apart, she screams to her husband about his intentions, and she weeps for her and her child's tormented fate. The sobbing Iphigenia enters the scene and rushes to her father's knees, begging him to spare her from the sentence of death. But Agamemnon's heart is hardened, and his decision is made. Come what may, even the death of his firstborn daughter, his duty to the Greeks in the cause of war on Troy shall be done. And Iphigenia, recognizing that nothing can save her now, grieves for the life with all its beauty and sweetness she is soon to lose. Elsewhere in the Greek camp at Aulis, tensions are at the brink, as knowledge of the divine command to sacrifice the girl was coming to light. Achilles returns from his troops at the shore 
finds Clytemnestra and tells her that even his own companions, the Myrmidons, nearly stoned him to death, demanding the princess be sacrificed at once for the sake of the Greeks. But he had sworn his aid to Clytemnestra and stands by his word, ready to protect the girl with all his power. But now, it is Iphigenia's turn to make her choice. Her young soul rises with the courage of a lion and the nobility of a deer, and now she bravely accepts her death as her God-sent fate. Think of what I'm thinking of now, mother. All the Greeks are looking to me, and the fall of Troy hangs on me, stopping their raids on beloved Greece. Artemis has demanded me, and for Greece I make my sacrifice. This will be my glory. She refuses to allow Achilles to come to harm for her sake, and permits him to do what he must. Her inspired words reflect how each and every human life is lived in the light of the public good, the good of the whole community of the Greeks, with no thought for herself. What right do I have to cling to my life when I was born not for myself, but as a blessing to my land? What kind of justice is it for my single life to prevent countless others from fighting for the future of Greece? Taking her words to heart, Achilles is filled with awe and admiration at the girl's courage. A worthy bride she would have made indeed. But Clytemnestra drowns deeper in sorrow, coming to grips that there's no way now to change her child's mind. She is about to lose her daughter forever. The noble Iphigenia hugs her infant brother Orestes one last time. She asks her mother not to bring her to the altar, to spare her the sight of the sacrifice, and begs her not to bear hatred against her father, who had made his decision for the collective good, just as she was doing now. A proud and bold Iphigenia leaves the scene for the last time, walking to the altar for her own sacrifice, and saying her goodbyes to the beautiful world around her. Hail to you, bright sun of day and light of Zeus. A different life, a different fate is mine now. Farewell, I bid you, beloved light. The story ends in the aftermath of the sacrifice, when events have taken a breathtaking turn against all expectation. A rushing messenger finds Clytemnestra to reveal the miracle that took place at the altar. As Calchas presided over the rite, Achilles invoked the goddess Artemis, and Agamemnon with the rest of the Greek army looked on. With a mighty crash and a flash of light, Iphigenia 
was spirited away by the goddess. And left behind as the true sacrifice was the body of a great deer. The brave princess had escaped the blow of the sacrificial blade and was nowhere to be seen. With joy, the ritual was finished, the deer's body was burned, and the heart of Agamemnon was at last relieved of its heavy sorrow. The sacrifice was made, the offended Artemis was satisfied, and the winds began to blow. Clytemnestra is left in disbelief, exhilarated at the news her daughter was spared, but knowing well that Iphigenia was now beyond a mother's reach, a servant of the dread goddess to whom her life was pledged. The Greek armies, with Agamemnon at their head, prepare to set sail at last for Troy, and the glory of conquest awaits. With the spilling of sacred blood, the Trojan War has begun. In the world of the ancient myths, the dark tales of Agamemnon, Clytemnestra, and their children were far from over, as the memory of Iphigenia's sacrifice would not be soon forgotten. On the tragic stage of Athens, Euripides had also brought to life Iphigenia's journey after the sacrifice in his play Iphigenia in Taurus, recounting her reunion with her now-grown brother Orestes in the distant land of Taurus on the Black Sea, where she served at her lady Artemis's behest. The story of the sacrifice of Iphigenia and the grim decision of Agamemnon that saw it through pressed audiences of the past with questions that still haunt its hearers in the present. At the extreme edges of the choice, with the lives of loved ones in the balance, how would we measure the public against the private good? For what cause would we put the desires of the many over the life of one?